Hi church family, I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. In case you're wondering, yes, I'm going to use this whiteboard tonight. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to use it and it's going to be fun. Let's try, I'm like conscious of like Kate over there and the person over there all trying to see it. Actually, Kate and Kate. Anyway, um, this is the final night of our theme that we've been in for the last two months, which is as it is in heaven. And this, this phrase comes out of the scripture that Jesus taught from when teaching his disciples how to pray, where he says, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, then, be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've really just gathered around what does it look like in heaven? And what does it look like to see heaven on earth? And how would we live in light of what we experience, particularly in the lead up to Easter and now the week after Easter? What is, how does that revelation of Christ, Him crucified and Him resurrected, and now Him seated on the right hand of the Father, how does that impact our lives? And then how do we take that into our workplace tomorrow or public holiday, but you know, like next Monday, oh no, public holiday, uh, the Monday after that, you know what I mean? And so what, what does that look like on Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday in our lives? And so um, I'm, I'm hoping tonight um, to bring it home and to, to land the plane for this, this theme so that next, next week when we go into May, no, yes, oh my gosh, May, um, that we can, we can launch into our Faith Love Hope season full of faith, full of passion, full of expectancy, because we're, we realize what it looks like to see heaven on earth, and then we're willing to act in that way as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, 7 to 21. Okay, that's good. Young people, I love it. Um... I did, tech team, I apologize because I gave you different scriptures and then I changed it last minute. So my, my bad, Shekina. Um, but I was reading this, this whole, I read, I read the whole book of Philippians, but I was reading this whole chapter again and everything, and I just didn't know where to draw the line as to like what not to include and what to include. So I just, I included more rather than less. So it says this, but whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now that, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind me, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ, to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Everyone say heavenward. All of us then, say all of us, then who are mature should take the same view of things. If on some point you might think differently, that, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what is already obtained. Join together in following my example, okay? For as I have often told you before, I now tell you again, um, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Um, I have some other scriptures, but th this, is the, this is the scripture I really want us to land around tonight. And I really want to unpack the, the idea or the title that heaven matters today. Um, last week was probably one of the, the toughest weeks in my life um, with the passing of Pastor Sam um, on Thursday before Good Friday. And um, for those of you who don't know much of my story, um, Pastor Sam's actually been my pastor since I was like 13 years old. Um, he's been the most consistent person in my life, bar none. Um, and then my wife, and now she takes the title because he's not here. So, um, but we're actually going to be doing a celebration service this Wednesday. And um, there's no better way to honor the man of God that Pastor Sam was than to come and um, acknowledge just how much he contributed, not only to our location, but for those of you who've only known him in the context of this location, Pastor Sam has invested his life into countless thousands of people, um, not only through his direct involvement or direct impact, but also through the lives of those who he's released and through the lives of those who he's impacted and then they've gone on to do great things. All of that is accredited to his account. And so heaven rejoiced last or a week and a bit ago when he entered uh, into heaven, but we get to rejoice and be thankful and remember who he was this Wednesday. So please join us, um, celebrate us. We want our whole church to be there. Um, some practicalities around that though, we're expecting like this place to be like chock-a-block full of people. So A, carpool, um, a lot of you are young adults and youth, catch an Uber, uh, like, I don't know. Um, just make sure you're here, but just don't bring your own car, is essentially what we're saying. Um, bring somebody else's. Um, and if you need parking, we're going to be parking, like, all over the streets, um, Frawley Fields, car park, not on, actually, don't go on the field, but there's a car park you can, you can park at, um, um, and then anywhere around here. Basically, just get here, but park somewhere else, okay? That's what we want you to know. And... Um, Community was always one of Pastor Sam's priorities. So after the service, um, make sure you just, just take the whole day off, hey, um, and get with a bunch of friends, talk about what he means to you, talk about funny stories. I have some if you need some. Um, <laughs> this one time. Um, that's a good story. Um, I, uh, Sam, was, Sam gave me some responsibility, which was, I mean, his fault to begin with. Um, but... I, <laughs> I didn't maybe meet his expectations on what he was trying to pull, pull, what was meant to happen. And he said to me, he goes, Dan, you're as useless as tits on a bull. And I was, just, I was just like, thank you, Pastor Sam. You're such an encouragement to me. Um, 
Can I say that on stage? Sam would be laughing. So, um, but yeah, so I just want to honor our location pastors, uh, Pastor Sam and Carolina, for their investment in me um, and, and their investment in all of us. Um, and although Sam might not be here anymore in the flesh, um, he lives on in the legacy of now what we do with what he was doing here, okay? And he lives on generation to generation with what we pass on to the next generation as well. So can we just honor our pastors? Yeah, come on. Amazing, amazing. And um, while, while we're honoring, you can stay standing for this one. I want to honor Boaz. I don't know if he's here tonight, but he was here literally all day yesterday, putting all these lights and stuff together and not only putting them together, but then programming them. Can we honor Boaz? Uh, we have an incredible team of people here who just do things behind the scenes. You can sit down. Um, and so I just wanted to honor him because, I mean, Nathan and I were here for a little bit, but he was here like before us and he was here after us and who knows when he actually went home. He might actually be sleeping somewhere around. <laughs> so if you find him, give him some food or something. Um, in the wake of Pastor Sam's passing, I found myself thinking about heaven a lot. And, you know, Nathan and I were um, digging a hole yesterday um, very therapeutic, I tell you. We're just chatting and having man time while we dug a hole, you know. And, you know, it was raining one moment and, and then it wasn't and then it started raining again. And Nathan and I just like, I don't know, maybe it was just the, the moment. It's just two guys out in the field. We're just laughing because, like, must just look like idiots to the people on the field uh, to, driving past because there's, like, one of us doing one thing and the other guy's just standing there. <laughs> and then the next minute... We've swapped, and it's like the other guy's standing, and it's like, you know, they've just always got to be a supervisor, right? Um, and so, but we're, we're just chatting, and we're like, we'd be like, oh, this is great, we're making good progress, and they're just like, bucket down with rain, and we're like, I bet Sam did that. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, it starts rolling on, and it's like, you know what? I bet Sam and Jesus are actually just having a great old time now. It's like, you know, like the kid that's in the fire engine going, can I put it on? Can I, can I hit the buttons? Like turn the sirens on? And, and Sam's just up there with Jesus. Can I turn the rain on? Can I turn the rain on? Can I, can I get him? It was like, you would, Sam. You would, you know. But, but I've been thinking about heaven a lot and, and just thinking about asking questions, thinking about sorrow, thinking about thankfulness, and ultimately thinking about hope. And what we have in, in Jesus and the hope that we have. And I want to I unpack tonight what heaven is for us today and why it matters for us today. Because I, I think, except for moments of tragedy like losing a loved one, I don't think we think about heaven enough. I don't think we're enraptured by the idea of eternity enough. And I don't, I don't think that there's enough that can be said about what we're actually looking forward to in heaven um, that, that can actually compare to what we're experiencing here on earth. In fact, what is here on earth is, is it just pales in comparison. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like having a bunning sausage, which we did yesterday, um, twice. Um, and then having like filet mignon, you know, like a steak that's like properly, like it's just like bunning sausage is good, but once you've tasted steak, you don't, I'd rather have steak, you know what I mean? And, and earth's good, but, but once I've tasted heaven, come on, I, I, 
You can have the dust of the earth. I, I, want, I want streets of gold. I want the presence of the king. I, I want six-foot waves. No, I'm joking. <laughs> that's not biblical. That's purely Dan. So, um, but I'm going to also take the opportunity to tell you a couple of stories about Pastor Sam as well in the meantime. So, um, Pastor Sam is one of a kind, and um, he always just made me do the dumbest things. Um, like one time we were in um, the shed, or it's what? It's called Society House now, but it was called the Epicenter and it will forever be the Epicenter. Um, and, and we were doing this youth rally and I don't know why, but somehow Sam had got himself two like pocket rockets. They're like little motorcycles, like, but they're like 50 to 80 cc's of, of power. And, you, like, and for some reason he put me on one of them and somebody else on another one. And he just whispers in my ear, he goes, I just want you to go hard and fast. And we were just aiming for this, um, at the time there was like a cricket net in the, in the shed. And, um, and so I was like, you know, I'm just going to be obedient to my spiritual leadership. And, um, and I think Sam's idea was like we'd, like we'd go hard and we'd like kind of just bounce into the net and that would be it. Um, and I don't know what happened to the other guy, but I went hard and I went fast. And I was like, bang, like as far as the throttle could go, I just pumped it like straight away. And we just shot up the aisles and I hit the netting of, the, of this um, cricket net. And the tension in the net just held firm. And so I just did a straight up backflip, landed straight like this and went, whoa. And Sam was like, whoa. <laughs> like, he's like, I couldn't have planned it better, you know? Other times Sam would take a bunch of us guys over to Stradbroke Island and he would just, just sit us down beforehand. He goes, guys, I know you're teenage punks and you're going to do whatever you're going to do with whatever you find to do insinuating that we had somehow come across the way to make um, homemade explosives. Um, and I'm not going to tell you how to do that. Um, but if you get break, no, I'm joking. Um, but he goes, all I, all I want to know is that I don't want to know. He's like, all I know is that I don't want to know. I want plausible deniability. I want, I want to be able to deny that I knew anything about anything. Um, and also, like, you know, don't break anything or hurt anybody, okay? Um, and... And this, I remember when Sam was preaching, because he wasn't a very good preacher when I was in youth ministry. Um, I'm just being honest. Like, like, when you've got Carolina, Sam was like, he just had like, just like what point after point. There was like, there's no progression. But, but this one message he'd always preach about was how your life was meant to echo into eternity. He'd preach these, these stories and tell these jokes that were subpar. And... But his constant, his constant message was, hey, would you have a life that echoed into eternity? Hey, would you live a life that, that, that mattered beyond just the here and now? Hey, would you do something with your life that, that lives with purpose, that lives with intentionality? Would you, would you build your friendships? Would you, would you build your schooling at the time because we were in youth ministry? But would you build your whole life into the future with, with heaven in mind, with eternity in mind? And that stuck with me. That, that we could live a life that lived beyond this moment. In fact, I'd probably stake claim to those messages being part of the reason that I, I found myself so drawn to and called to ministry in general. It's like, because whenever I think about doing anything else in my life, nothing else compares in comparison to eternity. Like, what's the point of helping someone um, fix their budget or helping them through social issues or helping them get out of debt or, or whatever, or helping them, you know, whatever, and however, because I was always going to help people, but what's the point of doing all that for them then to go to help? Because we're going to spend eternity somewhere. 
And I want to see as many people celebrating with Pastor Sam and I on, on the streets of gold rather than, than being in the alternative option, which is not nice. And so I, I, I wanted to get around this thought tonight. What does it look like for us to have heaven matter so much that, it, that our lives are impacted by that, not just when we actually get to heaven, but how we live today, how it looks today. The truth is how we think about heaven matters. That's the truth. Heaven matters. It's important. And if you don't believe me on this, let's consider for a moment a couple of groups of people. I don't know if, about you, but have you recently had your door knocked by a Jehovah's Witness? Lovely people. I encourage you to invite them in, have tea and coffee, open the Bible, and talk about the Holy Spirit, because that'll get them really like, mm. <laughs> But but their motivation is actually heaven. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that, um, that, that gaining access to heaven is gained through their good works and gained through their good works in, also in how they bring other people into the Jehovah's Witness faith. And, and I don't have time to go into how Jehovah's Witness isn't the way you should go, um, but, but their motivation is their idea of heaven. Let's take it a step further. Consider jihadist Muslims or extreme Muslim, extremist Muslims who do things like suicide bombs and violence and things like the, what we see in ISIS and stuff like that. Their motivation is heaven. They're considering their reward for outworking the things that they believe their God has decreed for them to do and that their reward will be whatever their reward will be, 99 virgins or whatever their version of, of, of heaven is. But their, their motivation is heaven. So how we consider heaven directly impacts us. Whether we believe the right thing about heaven or not, it, it, it matters. Consider, for example, the, the opposite. Think about culture today, particularly in Western society that's all enlightened and whatnot, and how it's uh, postmodern in its, in its thinking and, and how it's tried to deny all things that are spiritual. In fact, now there's no God, therefore there's no heaven. And what we find is a culture that has no purpose. A society that has no limits, no bounds, no sense of responsibility and no sense of um, we're going somewhere in the future, my life matters. And instead, people are just trying to figure out how to live right now for today, make today count, YOLO, you know, that type of thing. And, and there's no consideration for what might be the ramifications of their actions, either on this side of eternity or the next side. See, how we think about heaven matters. What we think about heaven matters. Heaven is a real place where God exists. And so I want to take us through the biblical narrative this morning, uh, this evening, and land on that scripture in Philippians and, and really help us to understand this, okay? Heaven is a place where God exists. You can't actually have heaven without God. Whatever version of heaven you have in your mind, whatever conceptualized picture that represents for you, if God's not there, it's not heaven. It might be a really nice place. There might be six-foot sets all the time for surfing or, you know, you never miss a hole in one if you're into golf or uh, there's never a headwind, always a tailwind if you're doing triathlon. You know, like whatever's your thing, you know, the shopping's always free. I, I don't know. Wh whatever heaven looks like for you, if God's not there, it's not heaven. And the Bible's really clear about that because the Bible actually describes um, heaven as, as God's place. Here we go. I've got color options. All right. 
Purple's royal. That'll be heaven. Okay? So this is heaven. This is God's space. It's the place where God exists. The Bible says that he's enthroned in heaven. Okay? But we also have earth. This is our space. Okay, this is the place where we, where we exist, where God made us. Okay, and when we look at the Bible, man, I have not spoken like this for a long time. I'm like parched like the desert. <laughs> if we look at the Bible from the beginning, right, Genesis chapter 1 through to um, chapter 3, right, we see heaven and earth being created. We see God involved in that process. He brings all things together, um, and it culminates with God making mankind, right? And so this is, it actually didn't look like this. It actually looked more like this. You ready, Mark Rangi? Right? There's this overlap, this coexistence of, of um, heaven and earth together. And if you don't like my drawings, please turn your attention to the screens because Stacey did a fantastic job of illustrating this. Um, and I should actually give some credit to the YouTube video that I looked at to get this conceptualization, uh, the Bible Project, Heaven and Earth, YouTube it. Um, okay, so, um, but this, this is essentially what Eden was like. This is how the Bible describes Eden, is that heaven and earth were actually completely overlapping, that God existed with humanity, humanity walked with God, and, and we were co-laboring together in the bringing together of God's will on the earth that God could exist with mankind, his creation, his children, and we could all coexist together with God. That's how it was. And that's how it was meant to be. And then the fall happens, and all of a sudden, we choose our own path. God, uh, heaven and earth move into this space where they're separated, where heaven existed separate to earth, and, and earth all of a sudden becomes full of sin. It's just messy. And, and God cannot exist in sin. God won't exist in sin. And so now we're, we have a conundrum. We have this dilemma. And God has this problem, if God could actually have a problem that he hadn't already solved before it even began, where how does he approach humanity whom he loves without killing humanity because of his holiness and his righteousness, because of sin. And so what, what begins to be instituted in the Bible is the idea of a temple or a tabernacle, where, where for a moment there could be a, a wiping away of or absorbing of sin so that... Haha. So that heaven and earth could do this, overlap. Oh, it's messy, but we're doing it. And in this space, here, there'd be the overlap of heaven and earth. Sin still exists in this space on earth, but due to the tabernacle, the presence of God could invade earth and through a sacrifice, through a, a sacrifice of an animal, momentarily humanity could gain access once again to God. Humanity could once again 
take place in, in being in his presence, in, in witnessing his power of experiencing heaven on earth because God had visited the earth again. Fast forward a little bit. Oh, wait, let me, let me, let me just unpack temples for a second. Uh, first, we start with Moses, who was given the tabernacle. Then Solomon was given the temple, okay? The sacrifice was absorbing sin, which allowed us to gain access to God's presence, okay? Now, we fast forward to the New Testament where Jesus comes on the scene, okay? And Jesus, Jesus was more than just God in flesh, it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That word dwelling actually translates tabernacle. So Jesus is not only God in flesh, but He's also the temple in which we now experience the presence of God. Jesus is actually the, the, the pathway through which we go through to experience heaven on earth. Jesus is actually now that place and where the presence of God can exist on the earth in this overlapping space. Jesus is the one that we look to now, not only to experience the presence of God, but also Jesus came as the sacrifice through which sin would be fully absorbed. Except the sacrifice of Jesus was greater than the sacrifice of animals. The sacrifice of Jesus was once and for all and for all time and for all mankind. So where a lamb or a bull might cleanse you for a week or a month or a year or something like that, Jesus comes that you might, he might take away the sin of the world. John says, uh, again, in John chapter 1, verse 29, uh, talking about John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All your sins, past, present, and future, have been absolved and absorbed and paid for in Jesus Christ and in his sacrifice. There's nothing that you can do um, in this life, on this side of eternity, that Jesus' blood has not already paid for in full. You, now, don't take that as a free ticket just to go and do whatever you want. Because when you come to know Jesus and you come to know the, the goodness of his nature and the holiness of his nature, you go, why would I want to choose bunning sausage over steak? That's essentially what we're going back here to. It's going, why would I choose this lesser thing in comparison to the goodness and the grace of God that I can live empowered and free from sin entirely? But it's also good news in the fact that if you feel broken, if you feel lost, if you feel shameful, if you feel guilty, if you feel like you don't measure up, Jesus paid for all of that. Jesus has paid the price, not only for now, but so that you can have a future that is wonderful, a future full of purpose, a future full of significance, not because you're famous or anything, but because you know God and God knows you and you walk together. And so this is, this is the image that we get, is that Jesus comes. And what Jesus did in his earthly ministry is that he began to bring heaven out into the sin. So he'd bring it into this little pocket here, talk to some dude, heal him on the Sabbath probably, come over to here, talk to this lady at a well, or, or, or allow some lady to, I don't know, uh, anoint his feet with her tears and some perfume, and then he'd come over here and do this and come over here and do that. And all of a sudden what we see is Jesus bringing pockets of heaven into earth, bringing, this, bringing the, 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 the heavenly realm into this natural realm because he carried the Spirit of God on his life. Jesus comes onto the scene and starts doing this, and then he culminates his entire earthly ministry on the cross. So 
so that, so that what, we, what we see in his ministry here with these little pockets can now actually be replicated in our lives. Because now the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives in you and he lives in, lives in you and he lives in me. And so now we take heaven into the world of sin. Because heaven, like, it's still sinful out there, in case you didn't realize. <laughs> like, it still sucks out there some days. People still hurting out there sometimes. People still getting divorced. People still dying. People still full of anxiety or depression. People still concerned about the future. People looking at the news going, I don't know how this pans out for me. I don't know if it's going to be all okay. But if we have Jesus... We have a hope and we have heaven to bring into that situation and go, hey, it might suck this side of eternity, but can I tell you, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. It's going to be amazing. In fact, you should get on board with what we're doing here in the church and with Jesus, and you too can experience the hope that is in Jesus. You too can understand what it's like to, to live with a, with a hope in the midst of sadness, to live with a, a gratefulness in the midst of sorrow. You too can know what it's like to have your, your mourning turned into joy, your sadness turned into gladness, all because of Jesus. And so what we experience then is, or what we look forward to, I should say, is what is promised in Revelations. Revelations 21 verse 5 says this, And then, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there, there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And this is the hope that we have. In fact, the whole biblical narrative is actually not about this little overlap bit, but it's actually about Eden 2.0, where we come back to this, where heaven and earth are overlapped together fully where God dwells with his people and people dwell with their God where he is our God and we are his people and we coexist in this realm together going hey heaven and earth that's the promise that's actually the whole goal where God reunites heaven and earth back together Romans talks about the earth is groaning and moaning waiting for the sons and daughters of God to rise up and take their place and we have that place we have that responsibility as those sons and daughters Jesus said he was coming back one day. One day soon. But until then, he promised us the Holy Spirit so that we now become living temples, living stones. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, we, Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells within you? So now all of a sudden, we're doing this. We're bringing heaven on earth into the world around us, into your school, into your university, into your workplace, into your family. We take the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave, the same, what we saw Jesus do, Jesus said, you'll do even greater. He said, follow my example. 
lay hands on people in our workplaces. We should be praying for people at the bus stop. We should be getting words of knowledge for people like Jesus did by the woman in the well and going, hey, check out chick lady person. Bring me your husband. <laughs> I've got five. Oh, it's, you know, it's too close. You know, like, it's like getting a word for someone and saying, hey, I, I just sense that you're dealing with something. Are you, are you struggling in this area? And allowing the spirit of God to work through, to flow through you to bring heaven, a little moment of heaven where the presence of God is, into that moment and go, hey, this is real. Because what it does for us and what it does for them is it, it, it kind of just pe- takes a peek through the veil and goes, oh, that's real. Heaven's real. There's, God is real. This, this whole like, idea that spirituality cannot exist or, or doesn't exist in our Western enlightened world, that's false. There's a very real thing at place here called the spiritual realm. And God's doing his thing, but the enemy is at work trying to do his thing. And we have a responsibility. Like Paul talked about in Philippians. And this is, this is I guess, where we find ourselves today. Is The book of Acts has continued on until now, where the church of Jesus Christ has, has gone forth and has multiplied across the earth. And we're in between the promise of what Jesus did and the fulfillment of that promise in his second coming. And we find ourselves similar to Paul going, whatever I've gained, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of the resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, bringing back to this, experiencing that heaven on earth. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press towards the goal to win the prize from which Christ, uh, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Heaven matters. Paul's saying that right now. He's going, hey, it's a heavenward, heavenward calling. Oh my gosh, I need more water. It's a heavenward calling. He said, I, I, I put everything aside. I forget those things that are behind me. I, 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 I choose to put aside sorrow or I choose to, to not let it derail me from remembering, you know, it would be so easy for me and for all of us to just like bottom out right now I, considering the loss of Pastor Sam. But that wouldn't honor his life in any sense. The best thing we can do right now is to remember all the things that we remember about him, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to honor him with the way we live our lives. And not just Pastor Sam, but Jesus. Because more than Pastor Sam's death, Jesus' death set us free in the first place. We need to honor his death. And the benefit is that now Pastor Sam has his his resurrection in his heavenly body. And Jesus, we got to experience that last week with Easter and him coming back on the third day. And, and now what we, 
What we do is that we begin to outwork in our lives this, bringing heaven to earth. Because heaven's real. Paul encourages us to follow his example. And he says it's actually the mature response to, to fix our eyes on heaven and to fix our eyes on Jesus because they're actually synonymous. When you, when you think about heaven, you, you see Jesus. And when you think about Jesus, you experience heaven. Because when we're in the presence of God, we're in heaven. And we can actually experience that here and now. That's what I love about church on a Sunday is that we get a little taste of heaven right there and then when Ronnie's leading us in worship or when Mark's leading us in worship or or, or when the team takes us to that place where we go. It's like Kelsey said, we can sound like heaven in this moment right now. But it doesn't just stay here on Sunday in our service. We actually have to take heaven into our workplace, out into the world. We've got to carry that same spirit that can heal the sick, set people free, change people's lives because heaven matters. Their eternity matters. Our eternity matters. And we carry the answer. His name is Jesus. We've got to go into the world and bring these little pockets of heaven. Come back on Sunday, not to recharge like we've just been sucked dry, but to celebrate all that's taken place in the week ahead and to plan ahead for the week to come. Man, I'm going to bring more of heaven. I'm going to take more of heaven that I've experienced here on Sunday into my workplace, into my world. I'm going to disciple someone. I'm going to train a generation. I'm going to communicate the gospel. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to feed the homeless or take care of the lost or whatever it is that God has placed in your hands to do. Whatever burden is stirring up on the inside of your heart, whatever dreams God's put on you, all of it is to point towards Christ and all of it is to bring people towards heaven that they might experience what we experience in Jesus Christ which is heaven on earth.